Amen. Well, that was good, wasn't it? <clears throat> I tell you, the Lord deserves our excellence, doesn't he? And I am I'm blown away and just uh, so much appreciate all of those who just give. I mean, our, our, our music program is top-notch. We've got uh, teachers who come, and they study every week, and they come, and they do their best. We've got door greeters and bus drivers and counters and ushers and just, just the way that you give back and you make this whole thing come together for excellence for our king. It's beautiful, and I, and I just want to put a plug in here. If you're looking for a way to use your gifts, boy, have we got a spot for you. We've got a place for you. Just come and find us, and we will... Find how your gifts match up, and we'll put you to work like the rest of us. If you have your Bibles, we are going to be in Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16, go ahead and find that in your Bible if you would. I'm reminded of how the Eskimos used to hunt wolves. It's a very unique way. What they would do is they would take a very sharp knife... And they would coat the blade of the knife with animal's blood. And then right before dark, they would go out and they would put the blade in the snow with the knife blade up. During the night, a wolf would be coming along and he would see that or he would get a sniff of that and he would come to it and he would begin to lick it. And as he licked it, he began to get a taste of the blood that he longed for. And so he would lick harder and faster. And the more blood he tasted, the more blood he wanted. And so he would lick harder and faster and harder and faster, never realizing that the blood he would taste was his own blood. Never feeling the pain on his tongue. Until they would get up the next morning and they would come out and they would see the wolf lying in his own blood next to that knife blade. I believe that's a good illustration of Samson. You see, Samson was not brought down by outside enemies or outside foes. Samson was brought down by himself. Samson truly self-destructed. And as we look through the Bible and we look at Judges chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16, don't worry, we're not doing all that this morning. I saw the look in your eyes. But as we look through, we see a man who has so much potential. A man who God blessed with so much potential, but yet because of his poor decisions, he self-destructed. Because of his poor decisions, he wasted so much of it. And there are a lot of ways that we can look and we can see Samson and we see a reflection of, upon our own lives. Because you and me, we have so much potential, so much potential for godly living, so much potential for righteous living, so much potential for making an impact in our world for the kingdom of God, but yet if we're not careful, we're going to miss it. If we're not careful, we're going to waste it. Now, we are in Judges 16, but I've got to catch us all up together. We've been looking at, at Judges on Sunday nights, um, and so we've already looked at 13, 14, and 15, so I'm going to catch you up real quick to make sure we're all on the same page, okay? In Judges chapter 13, the Bible tells us, an angel of the Lord appeared to a woman, 
and said, Behold, you will conceive and bear a child, and this child will be a Nazarite. Now, when you think about a Nazarite, that goes back to Numbers chapter 6. He shall be a Nazarite. That means he shall be separated for the purpose of God. It means three things. It means, one, that he cannot touch death. He cannot touch anything dead. Number two, it means he can have nothing to do with wine, nothing to do with grapes, nothing to do with the vineyard. And number three, he can never get a haircut. So he's got to grow that hair out long. So the angel of the Lord says, Behold, you shall bear a son. He will be a Nazarite, and he will begin to deliver the Israelites from the Philistine bondage. And then we get to chapter 14, and we begin to see a picture of who Samson is. It begins in chapter 14, and it says that Samson went down to Timnah, and he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines, and he came up to his father and his mother, and he said, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines, now get her for me as my wife. Now, he goes to the enemy. He goes to the pagan Philistines, and he finds him a woman that he likes. As you look through Samson, you will see that women are his downfall. There's a joke there, but I'm not going to tell it, okay? <laughs> women are his downfall. And so he goes, and he finds a woman that he should not be with, but he, he wants this woman. And so he tells his parents, get her for me, because she is right in my eyes. I want her. I need her. I will have her. And then so they're going to make this, this wedding ceremony. And as they're traveling, Samson takes a detour, and he happens to go through the vineyard. Now remember, he's a Nazarite. That is strike one. He should not be in the vineyard, but he takes a detour because he does not care about the calling of God upon his life. And so he takes a detour, and he's going through the vineyard. While he's going through the vineyard, a lion comes out and attacks him, and Samson rips the lion apart with his bare hands. A little while later, Samson is coming back down the same path, and again he goes through the vineyard, and he's wanting to see what he did to that lion. He's wanting to gloat over his victory. And so he comes across the carcass, and you can imagine there's, there's flies buzzing, and there's, there's probably maggots and all inside the carcass. But he looks in it, and he sees some honey. And so Samson bends down. He gets the honey out of the rotting carcass, and he begins to walk, and he begins to eat that honey. Now, stay with me. That's strike two, isn't it? He's not supposed to touch anything dead. Samson goes way beyond that, and he begins to eat out of this dead carcass. So we see strike two. And then when you get to Judges chapter 15, you see anger, and you see violence, and you see retribution as Samson begins to fight the Philistines. Now, he's not fighting for the Lord. He's fighting for himself. Samson is driven by his own desires, and he's living life for number one, and number one for Samson is, of course, Samson. Now we're all together. We're all on the same page. Look at chapter 15, the very end of it, and I want you to notice verse 20. <clears throat> chapter 15, verse 20. And the Bible says, And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines for 20 years. It's very interesting because 
Up until this point, we see Samson on a a day-to-day basis. And we see Samson living for himself and Samson doing what is right in his own eyes. But then the Bible tells us that he judged Israel for 20 years. Now, we must speculate to try to get a, a grasp of what's happening. And I want to present to you that it could be It could be apparent faithfulness finally on the part of Samson. It could be that finally, after all of his disobedience and after all of his rebellion, he has this this experience with God at the end of chapter 15, and for the next 20 years, he begins to be faithful to God in his life. But now look at chapter 16 and look at verse 1. It says, Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went into her. Now, if you have the NIV Bible, it says one day, doesn't it? It says one day Samson went to Gaza. And so you've got this picture, if you'll see it. You've got 20 years of what might be apparent faithfulness on the part of Samson, and then you have one day. 20 years of faithfulness, 20 years of judging Israel, 20 years, possibly, of being in the will of God, and then you have one day. One day that changes everything. Reminds me of David back in 2 Samuel 11. The Bible says, at the time when kings go to war, David stayed home. And one day he went up on top of his palace. And he was looking around, and he saw a beautiful woman who was naked and was bathing on her rooftop. And he said, bring her to me. And that one day changed everything. For the life of Samson, it was one day, and it changed everything. And so the question that we're going to look at this morning is how could a man with so much strength, with so much God-ordained potential, mess up his life so badly? How could a man with so much potential and so much purpose mess up his life so badly? And I'm going to tell you, if you're keeping notes, this is the point. Samson did not ruin his life at once. He ruined his life one step at a time. Samson did not ruin his life all at once. He ruined his life one step at a time. Look at verse 2. Let's keep going here. The Gazites were told, Samson has come here, and they surrounded the place, and they set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. And they kept quiet all night, saying, let us wait till the light of the morning, then we will kill him. The people of Gaza, they are the Philistines. And I want you to notice, Gaza is well into enemy territory. When you get to chapter 14, you see Samson goes to Timnah. Now, Timnah is at the northern section of the Philistines' territory. Now, in chapter 16, he goes well into enemy territory, all the way through it, all the way to the leadership headquarters, and he goes down to Gaza. He travels, at least conservatively, he travels 25 miles to get down to Gaza to find this prostitute. 
25 miles. He travels all this way, and he travels all the way to the heart of the enemy territory. Now, that is not a bright move, is it? Y'all with me? That's not very bright. He travels, let's just say he travels 25 miles. I was thinking about this during the week. I'm a preacher, and I work one day a week, maybe one and a half. And so I've got all this time to think, okay? And so I was thinking, he travels 25 miles. How many steps does it take to get 25 miles? And I found that for the average stride, it takes 2,000 steps to equal a mile. And so Samson had 50,000 of these. You following? 50,000 steps as he made his way to Gaza. 50,000 steps. In other words, he had 50,000 opportunities to say, what am I doing? He had 50,000 opportunities to say, I need to turn around. He had 50,000 opportunities to say, this does not honor God. But he takes one step after the next, after the next, after the next. And it leads to the question, who would be, we don't have kids in here. Can we say stupid? You can say that. Who would be so stupid? We got a few. I'll, I'll be, be nice, I promise. Who would be so dense? Is that better? Thank you. Okay. Who would be so dense to risk so much for so little? Who would be so ignorant, so foolish to risk so much on the altar of so little? But the answer is folks do it all the time. Folks do it all the time. They risk so much on the altar of so little. Just think about it with me. Folks don't wake up and say, you know what? I want to be broke. I mean, I just want to be broke. Nobody wakes up and says, I just want to be broke. But what happens? You go through life and you say, boy, my friend has got a new boat. I'd like a new boat. You see a new car and you say, I'd like a new car. You go through the technology department and you see the new tablet or the new computer and you say, I'd like a new tablet or a new computer. I need a a new home. I need a larger home. I need this. I need this. I need this. And one day at a time, it starts to build up and build up until you look at your life and you say, how did I get so much debt? And I say that because the number one thing that stresses people out is finance. For many of us in here right now, what has you stressed out is is money. It's finance related. And it doesn't happen all at once. It happens one step at a time. I've never known someone who woke up and said, you know what I want to do with my life? I want to ruin my life by having an affair. I don't know anybody that's ever said that. I don't know anybody who's ever said, you know what happened was I was walking down the street just like any other day and I tripped and I fell into this bed and there was this other person who's not my spouse. <clears throat> it doesn't happen that way, does it? What happens? Maybe you're at your job, you're somewhere in life and you look up and you begin to notice someone and you begin to think, they're attractive. I like the way that they look. 
And maybe from there it goes to social media. And there it goes to some text messages. And there it goes to just some flirting in person. And then it goes to a little brush, a little touch. And before you know it, you have thrown away a good marriage and a good family. And you threw it away for so little. And all it does is give you regret. All it does is make you look back and say, how was I so foolish to give up so much all in return for so little? But you know how it happens? It happens just one step at a time. One step after the next. I don't know anybody who woke up one day and said, what I want is I want to be a raging alcoholic. It's not how it happens. It happens to go to a party and just begin to be a social drinker. And then you go and you realize that, you know what, I'm a little stressed out and I can handle these problems better when I have something to drink. And so you begin to drink. And then you get to the point that you cannot even cope in life without a drink. And you realize that you are an alcoholic and you got there just one step at a time. One step after the next. And so what I want to show you this morning is the small steps that lead to big destruction. We see three things, small steps that lead to big destruction. The first one we see in verse 3 we see that Samson taunted his enemy. Verse 3, it says, But Samson <clears throat> lay till midnight, and at midnight he arose and he took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts, and he pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that was in front of Hebron. He is <clears throat> trapped. Picture it. He's in here with this woman, okay? And the Philistines have him trapped. He is locked in. The gate is shut. The gate is locked. And the Bible says that Samson goes and he rips off the gates. He rips them off. And he puts them on his shoulders. He lifts them over his head. And he walks them up the hill. Now, your face does not show that you're impressed right now. <clears throat> Let me just explain this to you. These gates would weigh over 700 pounds apiece. These gates represented the Philistines' security in this city. And they believe that they have Samson trapped because the gate is shut. And Samson goes and he rips off the gates, 700 pounds apiece, and he begins to you know, like we work out in the morning, he begins to work out with them, and he puts it over his head, and he walks off. Now, what could Samson have done? Well, maybe he could have jumped over the gate. Maybe he could have ripped the gate down and just snuck out. That's not what he does. He rips the gate down, he carries it, and as he's carrying it, he begins to flex his muscles. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, you think you can stop me? You can't stop me. You think you can trap me? You can't trap me. I am way too strong for you. I am way too tough for you. There's nothing that you can do to stop me. And he begins to taunt the enemy. Now, do you realize that we have an enemy? The Bible compares him to a, a, a lion 
that seeks to devour us. It means he wants to kill us. The Bible says he wants to kill, he wants to steal, and he wants to destroy. But if we're not careful, we're like Samson, and we go through life and we begin to taunt the enemy. We begin to think so highly of ourselves that we think we can handle it. And what I mean is we put ourselves in situations that we should not put ourselves in because we think that we're going to be okay. I can go in this situation because I'm, I'm strong enough. Let, let me give you just a, a funny example. Let, let's say that financially, you're just, you're just trying to get out of debt, okay? And so you're working at that. You know how you could taunt the enemy? Hey, honey, let's go to, uh, to Peter's and let's go look at the new cars. That's foolish. And somebody give me, a, give me a hand or something. That's foolish, isn't it? Because what happens when you go and you look at the new cars? You want a new car. I mean, you go and you look at these new cars, and now they will, honestly, you push a button, and that baby will park itself. Is that not the coolest thing? I've seen it. You put your hands off the wheel, you push the button, and it backs up into the space. I'm thinking, that is cool. I don't ever parallel park, but if I had that, I think I would. And they've got these buttons that if you're in a truck and you've got a trailer, you push the button and somehow, anybody got this? Somehow it helps you back up. You're not going to admit it, but suddenly you have that. You use it, right? I'm like, man, that, that's pretty cool. And they've got these seats that when it's cold, they heat. And when it's hot, they blow air on your fanny, you know. That's nice, too. They have steering wheels that they get hot and they get cold. And so you start looking and you see all these things and you say, I did not even know that I needed that. But now that I see it, I need that. Sign me up. Let's do it. You don't need it. But you're trapped. And if the enemy can get you so strapped financially, you won't be able to do anything for the kingdom of God because all you're going to be stressed out about is your finances. Let's say somebody's at a business trip. And everybody from the business is going, and they're going to the bar, and they're, they're drinking. And you say, I can handle that. I can go. I can have a drink. No big deal. You're taunting the enemy. You're saying, I can handle it. But there are a lot of folks who can't handle it. And there are a lot of folks who ruin their life because of it. And so Samson goes and he says, there's no way that you can stop me. The Bible says, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he, lest he fall. I remember we were, we were playing um, all-star baseball this summer. A lot of fun in all-star baseball. And so we're, we're at this big tournament, and we've got two outs. Two outs, those of you who don't follow baseball, three outs is bad. Okay, we got two outs. And so this boy gets up, and he's a good hitter, and he gets up. Ball's coming. He hits the ball. He got a good hit. He runs to first base. He keeps going. He runs to second base, and he starts to turn and go to third base. And all the coaches say, no, whoa, 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 go back. Stop. Go back. And you can see his eyes. He starts to turn back, but then he turns back again. And he gets between second base and third base, and at this point, the pitcher has the ball, and the pitcher is watching the base runner, and the base runner is watching the pitcher, and all the coaches and all the stands are saying, go back to the base, but he's not listening. All of a sudden, he gets this idea, and he starts going like this. He starts clapping, and he starts doing this number, 
you know, and he's going back and forth, and it seemed like forever. I mean, the pitcher's watching him, and this guy, he's just doing this number, and he's taunting the pitcher is what he's doing. Go back. Get on the base. We got a good hitter coming. He'll knock you in. Go on the, he's not listening. Well, he needs a spanking after this, but anyways, okay. <clears throat> so he's between the bags, and all of a sudden, in the flash of a light, both of them begin running towards third base. They're running, the pitcher's running, right the last minute, the pitcher gets there, and he tags him out. And everybody goes, oh. He was on second. He was safe on second. All you had to do was stand on second base. The next batter was going to bat you in. I think Mason was coming up next. He's going to bat you in. Trust me. (laughs) I've been working with this kid. He wanted to get on the base. But he began to, Randall, you remember that. He began to to taunt the enemy. And many times that will lead to our failure and it will lead to our destruction. What's the point? In life, don't get as close to the line as you can get. Don't go to the enemy and underestimate the enemy. The enemy wants to see you destroyed. He wants to see your marriage and your family destroyed. Everything good in your life, he wants to destroy. Do not give him a chance. Number two. Number two, I want you to see that he rationalized the same old sin. Now, when you get back to chapter 14, he went to Timnah, and he went to Timnah because of a woman. Okay, we went over that. Now look at verse 4 in your Bible. Judges 16, verse 4. It says, after this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. <clears throat> Here's what he's doing. For the third time, we see him with a woman that he has no business being with. But what does Samson do? He begins to rationalize the same old sin. And I wonder if there's any of us who are doing the same thing this morning. It's like, hey, it's just my, my one thing. I mean, I'm a good guy. It's just this one area that I struggle with. <laughs> hey, I've got this sin in my life, but, but wait a minute. It's not hurting anyone else. It's not a big deal. Hey, I've got this sin in my life. I've got this struggle in my life, but nobody else knows about it, and so it's really not that big of an issue. Or have you ever told yourself this? There are a whole lot of worse things that I could be doing. I could be doing a whole lot worse. At least this is all that I'm doing. And so you begin to justify the sin in your life. At least I'm not as bad as Kevin. If I was as bad as Kevin, that'd be a bad spot. But at least I'm not as bad as he is. And so we begin to rationalize the sin that we struggle with. We are the masters of rationalizing sin. Verse 5, and the lords of the Philistines came up to her, Delilah, and said to her, seduce him and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him and we will give, we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. They go to Delilah and they say, Delilah, if you will give us Samson, we will make you a rich woman. We will give you so much money, you can buy anything you want, but you've got to give us Samson. And so the next verses, verses 6 through 14, we see where Samson goes to, Delilah goes to Samson, 
and says, please tell me. Tell me where your great strength lies and how you may be bound that one may subdue you. Now, Samson ought to realize at this point that she's no good, right? He ought to say, that's a little, a little warning sign. I don't think this is a good relationship. But Samson begins to play the game. <clears throat> he says, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have never been dried, then I shall become weak as any other man. And so she does that. And she says, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he jumps up, he breaks, and he sets himself free. And then she comes back to Samson. Samson, you lied to me. Samson, tell me where your great strength is. And he said, if they bind me with new ropes that have never been used, then I will become weak as any other man. And so they bound him, she bound him with new ropes and said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And Samson jumped up, he broke the new ropes, and he set himself free. And a third time it happened. Samson, tell me what your great strength lies in. And he said, if you weave seven locks of my head with the web and fasten it tight, with the pen, then I shall become weak as any other man. Notice he's getting closer. His strength lies in his hair. If, if you just weave it up, I'll become weak like any other man. So she did this. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He jumped up, pulled it out, and he set himself free. Now, look at this. Look at verse 15. You want to see it in your Bible. And she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. Men, you could say that she literally nagged him to death. My wife's giving me that look, so I'm going to keep on going. Just highlight that. If you, if you just highlight it. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So here's what we see. Samson was able, he was strong enough to kill a thousand men. He was strong enough to slay a lion with his bare hands. He was strong enough to lift 700 pounds over his head. But Samson was not strong enough to lead a woman. He had so much strength, but he was too weak to lead a woman. I know so many guys, and they are, are strong in so many ways. And they're strong in their business. They'll go to their business, whatever that may be, and they are, they are strong, and they are zealous, and they have courage. And then they come home to their families, and they're just done. They don't leave their families. I know men who will go and they will search for hours, searching the best fishing reel or the best hunting rifle or the best new uh, computer to buy. And they will search for hours until they find exactly what they're looking for. But when they come home at the end of the day, they won't give their children 30 minutes. They won't leave their children. And it's a shame. Guys that are, are so built on improving their self and making themselves better at their hobby, whatever that hobby might be for you, 
if it's hunting, if it's fishing, if it's golf, whatever your hobby is, spend every waking moment building up for this hobby. But when they go home, it's like they don't exist. Samson had so much strength, and he had so much potential, and he had so much going for him, but at the end of the day, he could not lead a woman. And men, we are called to lead in our homes. We are called to lead our spouse. We are called to lead our children. We are called to push them towards the Lord. Let's keep going. we got to hurry. And he told her all of his heart, and he said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. First time that he is remembering back to his Nazarite vow. And it, it might be that he's, he's thinking about it, and he begins to think in his mind, and even greater in his heart, I was created for more than this. I was created for more. My strength lies in my hair. You see, I must let my hair grow because I'm a Nazarite. That means I am set apart for the purposes of God in my life. I've been living my life out of my purpose. And there's a lot of us in here, and maybe we're living our life outside of our purpose. Maybe you're living your life for your job. And you say, I have got the best work ethic Praise God for that. And you say, I've got so much innovation, and I have saved this company so much money. And you think that one day they're going to rename the company after you. And you think that one day you're going to retire, and the whole place is just going to shut down. You want to know what's really going to happen? You're going to leave, and somebody younger is going to come in, and somebody that costs a whole lot less than you do is going to come in, and things are going to just keep on going. If you're living your life for your job, now, now do good at your job. Work hard. Have a strong work ethic. Do what you say you're going to do. But if your life is built around your job, then you have missed your purpose. You have missed your calling. And by the time you realize that, it's going to be too late. We've got to keep going. We've got to hurry. And she made him sleep on her knees. And she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. And then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. The third and the last thing I want you to see is this. <clears throat> Samson assumed his disobedience would never cost him. Samson assumed his disobedience would never cost him. Look at verse 20. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep, and he said, I will go out as all the other times, and shake myself free. But look, but he did not know that the Lord has left him. Do you see it? Hey, I'm going to go out just like I always do, and I'm going to shake myself free. Delilah, don't worry, I'll be right back. Delilah, this is no problem. I always shake myself free. But he did not realize that the Lord had left him. It may be there's, there's something in your life, there's a step away from God that you have taken, and in your mind, you say, it will always be okay. I've never been busted on it before. It has never led to consequences before. And so it's all going to be okay. I'll go shake them off just like I always do. But can I tell you, there may come a time that things change. Everything's always okay until it's not. 
Everything's always the same until it changes. And you may say, I've got this sin in my life. I've got this disobedience in my life, but I've had it for a long time, and it's never given me any problems. That could all change today. Amen? It could all change today. It may be that you were being a lousy father, and you say, well, I've, I've been a lousy father, and my, my kids deal with it. There may be a time you go to your, your kids, and you say, hey, I, I'll do better. And they say, it's too late. Maybe a time you go to your spouse and say, I, I know I messed up again, but I'll do better. And they say, it's too late. Or you go to your boss, you say, hey, I know I've done it again. I'll do better, but it's, it's too late. There's a biblical principle that says your sin will find you out. You keep, keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. But if you don't repent and you don't turn from it, your sin will find you out. And it says, and the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes. And they brought him down to Gaza. And they bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. A man with so much God-given potential. But he's in such a bad place. A man with such God-given potential. And now his eyes have been gouged out of his head. How did he get there? How did he get to this place? How did he get to this point? Look at me. He did it one step at a time. One step at a time. So I want you to, to realize out of it. He wasted his life, he squandered his potential, and he did so one step at a time. Now, in your life, it may be that you've taken five steps away from God. Five steps, just five steps. Or it may be in your life that you're on step 49,562 and you've been stepping away from God for a long time. You know what I'm urging you to do? Repent. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. Turn away from your sin. Go back to God. Repent. What could it be? Well, maybe, maybe for you, it's, it's just something real small, and you're not spending time in God's Word. You know you should. You know that you ought to be spending time in God's Word, but you're not. And so it's just a little step away from God. Or maybe in your life, your prayer life, it stinks, and you're not praying like you should, and so it's just another step away. Or maybe there's sin, maybe there's, there's this sin addiction or this sin problem, and you have taken so many steps away from God. Repent, turn. Whatever it is in your life, repent and turn. Look at verse 22 and we're done. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. You know what that tells us? God's not finished. The hair, the symbol of his strength, it's beginning to grow back. God is not done. God is not finished. In your life, God is not done. You say, well, I've missed my purpose for so many years. God's not done with you. I've missed my potential for decades. God is not done with you. If you will turn to him, God will use you. So I want to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. And I want you to look inside. And I want you to ask God to reveal the sin in your heart. 
the steps that you're taking, the sin that you are rationalizing, the way that you are uh, taunting the enemy. Where is it in your life? There's a well-known song. It says, be careful, little lies what you see. It's the second glance that ties your hands as the darkness pulls the strings. Be careful, little feet, where you go, for it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. When flattering leads to compromise, the end is always near. Be careful, little lips, what you say, for empty words and promises leave broken hearts astray. Because it's a slow fade when you give yourself away. It's a slow fade when black and white are turned to gray. And thoughts invade and choices are made. A price will be paid when you give yourself away. Because people never crumble in a day. Families never crumble in a day. Daddies never crumble in a day. It's a slow fade. Lord, I, I thank you for this time that we've had together. <clears throat> Lord, I pray in our hearts and in our lives, you're showing us where we are taking steps away from you. And God, I pray that because of that, we will be led to repentance. Lord, that we will come back. We'll come back with zeal and with passion, and our life will not be a waste as Samson's life was a waste. Lord, that we will live our life with purpose and with potential. So Lord, I pray if there's confession that needs to be made this morning, that it will be made. I pray if there's one who is lost and they need to find salvation, God, that today is the day of salvation. Lord, I pray that your will is done during this time. Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen. Stand with us.